0: History teaches us that men behave wisely once they've exhausted all other alternatives. For most rock bands, the pursuit of wisdom's a low priority compared to fame, fortune, and fornication. Such a band was Strange Fruit.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen. It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and this is episode number 220. Our movie this week from 1998 is still crazy, and here to talk to me about it, it's Katech. How you doing? Hello there. It's very nice to meet you. <laughs> it is nice to meet you so you brought this movie to me still crazy so the first thing i want to know is what's your history with with this particular movie
0: oh well let's see it's i saw when it first came out i mean it was one of those that you know in britain there weren't that many you know hugely british films so it it was you know had that going for it um at the time and then you know it had two people who were quite well respected in british uh tv history timothy spall jimmy nail mm-hmm. Uh, who were both kind of big names for their Alfida's In pet, where they uh, worked together as a iconic sitcom. Um, and so I thought, yeah, give it a try. I mean, this is before Bill Nye got big. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen ree was, was big for other things. I would not uh, watched him much in, in other things, and there are reasons for that, which you can probably come to a bit later uh, with his personal life and stuff. I mean, he'd had an Academy Award nomination and stuff at, by then. Right. But uh, yeah, so it, it was just one, we, me and some friends decided we'd go watch this British film and see it and just really loved it. I mean, the music just still is is, is right there. I mean, it's, it's top-notch music. It's a, the comedy is there, the, the camaraderie is there. It's just, it's just a, a, a great, nice kind of feel-good movie.
1: Yeah. So I, somehow, I had never heard of this until you brought it up. And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if it just didn't get, any sort of promotion in the States. I don't know, but I was not familiar with it at all. You, you mentioned it. I looked at it in IMDb. I saw Stephen Ray, Billy Connolly, Jimmy Nail, Timothy Spall, Bill Nye. I was like, I'm in, I don't care. Like I, I, all I had to see were those names. I didn't know anything else about it. So I went into this yeah. completely blind. And I'm going to tell you right now, this was great. This was a really fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm a sucker for a good, Uh, story about a fictional you know band or fictional athlete or something like that Mm -hmm. it it makes for good stories and you know i love um this is spinal tap almost famous is really good um the the commitments Mm -hmm. is a great movie um and stuff like that is is funny you should mention those two yeah oh yeah um no well
0: the writer behind this film also wrote the Commitments.
1: yes i and i learned that after after i saw it um
0: and the bass player in this film was also one of the uh, the, uh, the singer for um, Jason Lee in Almost Famous.
1: Oh, really? That I did not know. Okay, very yeah, cool.
0: He, the, Jason Lee's singing voice is also one of the songwriters for for this film.
1: Okay, and I did go after yeah. after watching it, um, and I was you know I, I was really paying attention to the credits in the music section of it, particularly like the songwriters and stuff. And I mm-hmm. saw um, Mick Jones, a foreigner um wrote a bunch of the songs yeah and that's what makes this work so good is it works so good so well because the music yeah. is what's there i i read a couple of the like critics reviews when it came out and it was overwhelmingly or, or mostly positive um it kind of sits in a yeah. about a seven out of ten seventy something percent range um, in terms it's a
0: great, it's a good film. It's a, it's a pretty good film. Mm-hmm. It's not a blockbuster film. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, and the only negatives I heard were, P- were critics would compare it to something like The Ruddles or Spinal Tap. And I I didn't get that because it's not that movie at all. Um, it's it's much more akin to um, when I saw, like, I, I immediately thought of things like um, Almost Famous and The Commitments. And knowing that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the writer was the same that helps it was that with a little more humor mixed in uh, a little yeah. uh, it's well you got you got the likes of
0: Billy Connolly and, and you know Timothy spall is a great comedic guy oh absolutely
1: uh, and he steals the movie by the way he steals all his scenes Timothy spall is great in everything when he when he shows up and he's immediately running from the tax people uh, the the whole so I, like that whole first act was a ton of fun um, but go ahead you had something
0: mm-hmm no, I was going to say it, it. It blew a lot of people as well when he when he first showed because to to most people, Timothy Spall, he's a brummer, he, he talks a bit like this a lot of the time because this is how he was talking in uh He in Pet. He was from Birmingham.
1: Oh right. Okay. And now he's
0: he's there in this film, and now he's in this film, and he's got a West Country accent, and <laughs> so he's talking you know like this and stuff. Yeah, and that it really threw people. <laughs> and that's because he's he's not from neither place. He's from London. Oh, nice. And so it. it people so you know he's it's it just completely threw a lot of people because i'd only known him as his big role is you know if he does in as as a brummie and, and he's from birmingham and
1: yeah it's, yeah i can see that because i could see like you know uh, an american equivalent would be uh timothy oliphant in justified has that uh, that drawl that he uses as um as that character but he doesn't talk like that all the time he's from i think like indiana and when I first saw Justified, it threw me off because I knew him. I had seen Timothy Oliphant in like Screen 2 and Gone in 60 Seconds in the late 90s. And so I just knew him as this like kind of mm-hmm. Midwestern sounding, little California sounding dude. And then all of a sudden I see him in Justified and he's got this drawl, and I was like, that threw me. Uh, so I can absolutely see that if, if he's known with a different regional accent and he throws out a, di- a totally different one. Um, but he's, he's good. He's good at it. Like I bought it um oh yeah and uh but i love so that
0: there is a lot of accents as well which can make oh um, yeah oh you know
1: it it, it definitely there's there's a lot of regional accents when you when you get to uh english and british films that i have gotten better at because I, i dive into them so much so i kind of i can't necessarily name them but i can i can tell the differences um but yeah it can be a lot if you're not used to listening to it um to, to try and like it's a big subtitles film <laughs> it can be yes absolutely um but i love so we open up with uh stephen ray's character as uh tony costello and he wants to get the band back together this after the opening scene with them in the 70s as the band strange fruit and i love that opening narration with billy Connolly and how it goes through that whole scene oh, you played at the top of the show yep. yeah and then uh it ends with uh I guess God doesn't like the '70s. That's why He invented the Sex Pistols. Uh, cracked me up. That that got me. <laughs> but they had the divine intervention. Mm-hmm. They have the lightning strike during their concert, and that's like that's it. And then we fast forward 20 years, and here's Tony, and he wants to get the band back together uh, because he runs into that guy uh, who is like the son of the promoter from that festival. Yeah. And so the whole first speech. Yes. Yeah, and that whole first act is them uh, kind of. You know, finding everybody, and then, and it's it's really well done, and it's so funny. You know, finding uh, Les, uh up on the roof,
0: up a ladder doing yeah roofing, no. and um.
1: I did not see it coming when carrying him down the ladder to end that scene, though, and that cracked me up. I I legitimately laughed out well, loud for that that whole beat.
0: I, I, if, I, if I remember right, he used to be a builder and stuff before he was he did that, so he did that. Authentic. okay. And as a Alfida's end pet, which was the thing, was all about a group of builders from Britain going to Europe to work in Europe. Oh, in this case, you know, in Germany as builders. That's the whole premise of it. Is they're they're British workers who are working overseas. It's like the reverse happens now. You get you had a lot of people like from Poland and stuff coming over to do the labourer jobs, right. you know, the construction work, a bit like you know uh, the the stereotypical Mexicans here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So. You know that's but in the in the early 80s it was you know the uk just joined in 76 or something so you know uk was kind of merging into the common market okay and alfida's pet was about 81 83 so yeah H- hence the name alfida's in pet
1: right okay because
0: pets a common geordie diminutive or an ending you know like a mate or a or from australian or something Pet.
1: oh gotcha from okay
0: the, the geordie
1: area nice um, so, yeah, like I just love that because, uh, you know, here's Tony goes up on that roof and he's talking to him. And I, the first thing he says is like, there's only two reasons you would be up this ladder. I owe you money or you want to get the band back together. And he's like, or you want to get the band back together. And I okay. want to get the band back together. Um, w- when we meet um, Bino, he's, you know, of course, running, uh, running for his life. The But the scene before that where they go to the lady's house was... So well done because this is you know the tropey getting the band back together moment of the movie, and you're going to everything and they go to her and she's like, nah, he moved out. And like, oh where? Right over there. And she just points to a little caravan sitting over on the on the same property. <laughs> and that that was another one. Like this whole first the first act had so many great, just funny moments. And I loved every mm-hmm. one of them. I loved yeah. the introductions to Bill Nighy um, as Ray all of that uh, it was, it was just a ton of fun. And then we get them going, basically uh, starting to, to do the music stuff and where they go to the Netherlands, right? Is that where they,
0: yes. The, the, to, well, yes, the Netherlands to do a, a tour through the, the small pubs, clubs and um, nightclub boats.
1: Yes. yes. Boats. That was, <laughs> that was great, and, and it, this movie has kind of all the tropes of this type of movie but done so well that they, none of them feel tired because you've got the first show mm-hmm. that goes horrible because they're playing on mm-hmm. a boat and they have no room to do anything. And here's, here's Ray as the dynamic frontman that like he, he reminded me of like uh, David Lee Roth was kind of, it feels like that, that was, an was one of the,
0: I believe one of the, the examples, the inspiration for it. Yes. Yeah. And so he's um, trying to
1: do all the gyrations and he even like knocks that steam pipe when he, uh, uses the mic stand like all that kind of stuff again it's very funny it's also you know it's funny and it's sad at the same time because these aging rockers are trying to do their thing and it just goes horribly um but they don't give up and that's what i liked about it was they keep going they keep going they're trying more and more shows um they get very uh almost kind of early genesis peter gabriel uh, thing going on with like smoke machines and extreme volumes and all this like way overly theatric stuff that the people there just hated
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe more like sticks perhaps
1: a little okay sticks would work yeah yeah
0: do you know uh, do you know why because the director one of, the, one of his previous works included the music videos mr. Roboto oh um, and let's see um, killjoy was here he was the director for, for those oh really okay the mr roboto music video and stuff yeah oh, so brian so he'd done music videos beforehand and that's where he did, sticks
1: brian gibson um i did yeah, not that, that's what i didn't realize he did uh music videos but you know a lot of film directors did that in the 80s they would do a lot of music videos and transition into film um yeah oh caught in the act too uh he did um yeah, but I mean if you you look at like the Mr. Roboto thing, you can actually
0: see like Scream Freedom has a lot of similarities mm-hmm. with like the with the Mr. Roboto, you know, the, the long power cords yep. and the, the the framing a lot of the times and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it does. You're right. Is a, you're is a, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I didn't think about that. Um it's kind of a bummer that this was Brian um Brian's last film. Um he didn't direct anything after yeah, this and it, sadly cancer.
0: Cancers are, yeah.
1: passed away in two thousand four. Um, because there's definitely uh, some good direction here, and uh, knowing the knowing what he's trying to do, he also did what's love got to do with it um, a couple years, five years before that, which was another one of those. It's not a fictional band; it's based on um, Tina Turner, I think, right? T- Tina, yeah, Tina I, I remember that. Yeah, um, but again, like he knows mm-hmm. music, and he, he enjoys, and you can tell that he knows. As a director, he knows music, and he knows who to work with to make a good film about musicians, um, which I appreciated yeah, a lot. Definitely. Um, this cast is just, I mean, killer. You had Billy Connolly show up as the roadie Huey, and he's just kind of in and out. He's sort of – I mean, oh, he I, excellent, yeah. He like he'll show up, quip, make something funny, and then the, like the movie, you'll forget about him for fifteen minutes, and then you'll he'll pop back up and do something else, and it's it's so great. Um, and I love love Billy Conley. He
0: sometimes wo- you sometimes wonder if he's the if he's the roadie or if he's the manager half the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, As well, the way he's controlling things.
1: Well, it's that veteran roadie, so and like it's and uh, Juliet Aubrey plays Karen Knowles, who becomes their manager. She was. Mm-hmm just kind of uh the, the love interest well yeah she was the love interest groupie um kind of a groupie sort of a. will just you know help out wherever i can girl when during the 70s um mm-hmm. and then she takes over sort of as the manager this time around and one yeah. thing i will say about her is in the movie uh, i've seen other pictures of her since and whatnot but in this movie she reminded me of just a little bit of francis mcdormand she had that kind of kind of had a look to that, like like she could be a a, a sister or cousin, not a ton, but but enough. Like that was my first impression was, yeah, this English Frances McNorman. All right, and then and, but she's great throughout the whole movie. She's very much the like the emotional center of everything, um, because she's the first one Tony goes to to try and get the band back together, and she we learn over the course of the movie that she had a, uh she was very much into brian um and yeah. tony was into her what i liked was that never became like a kind of a big blow-up moment they didn't make that the focus of the drama which it could have been yeah
0: and and, and it di- and it didn't go kind of creepy either
1: no it didn't either
0: which yeah. it could have quite easily gone because you kind of got the feeling it was kind of like a, a sweet love
1: yeah and you sort of had the feeling like Tony Tony had a thing for her but never it never felt like the right time so he never did anything about it but he also didn't it didn't go into sort of the weird stalker territory or like hey you know maybe he he kind of had the hope that maybe yeah. they could get back together now or they could get together now maybe or something but he never overly pressed it and we spend most of the movie because we learned that Brian has given away all of his music rights, his royalties. Um, and mm-hmm. the assumption is that he's passed away. Yeah, And so we kind of got this all going on. But what I liked was in the reveal that Brian is still alive and he, uh, you know, Tony and Karen go to see him. That's never uh, an issue. There's no, never any sort of love triangle issue. The most we get is, the moment where Tony walks starts to walk into the the spot where they're they're talking and sees the two of them hugging, and he sort of he gets a little bit of that crestfallen look, kind of that you know kicked puppy uh-huh. look, yeah. And he walks away, but he he never makes it an issue, and it's never like a problem. He, he realizes he can never be her love, yeah, mm-hmm. which is nice because so, I think yeah. it would have been very easy to make that. Um, a lot of the drama and I I think I've seen enough movies that do that, that I didn't need to see it again. So, because the drama really is between the guys in the band and their, Oh yes. Oh yes. Their interactions, which was also another one that they slowly unravel over the course of the movie that I really liked because it all felt that was a thing. So what makes this work for me so well is the authenticity of the music. It was very well written. It mm-hmm. felt of the time and it was, it, they're just good songs. And then the feel of the band members and how they interacted with each As other. As the interaction.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they were all clearly kind of comfortable yet wary with each other at the start mm-hmm. and stuff. And then, uh, you know, kind of had that whole chemistry of falling into the, into the ways yep. sort of thing. And then, you know, the Oh, Beano, you're the always thing. And then, you know, at least I'm not a, you know.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's fine. You can say. Not, not a wanker. <laughs> um, it, yeah. What I what I liked about again and and then too because this isn't just like a fictional band that existed, you know, that 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 was a thing, and then they broke up and then they came back together. I liked the layering of it was a fictional band where the original lead singer passed away because of drugs and excess. And his brother was still in the band as the guitar player, and he also had problems. They brought in a new singer, so there's, you know, there's an extra layer of drama there because he is having to interact with these other musicians who, you know, they have less. Basically, the bass player who doesn't like him, but the reason he doesn't like him is because he's not Keith. Like, it's not Ray. It's not that he doesn't like Ray. It's because Ray isn't Keith, and and keith was such a influence on Les musically
0: yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. it's it's and and the whole you know resentment for coming in after all the hard work's done as well to, to yep. a smaller extent mm-hmm. especially with like bino and stuff is like yeah he came in we were on top of, on top of the charts you know we never played this thing and to an extent i guess he has some resentment back because you know well, i don't remember this place and oh we shot an album cover here no wait that was before your time mm-hmm. They they kind of diminish him in those ways as well which which adds more to the drama and stuff it's like wait there was just history here's our you know the band i know my you know the band when we're big and stuff and wait there's all this backstory and back history to the band that you know he doesn't get to be part of and gets kind of forgotten and put to the side of and it, it that drives resentment and an egomaniac like a lead singer yep
1: exactly and you know the front man is the one that's going to get interviewed first and they, they have that moment. <laughs> Which they point out. Yep. So they have that yep. moment. So you're right. It does drive that resentment because he's he's the one that's going to be talked to first. And yet he is not, he's kind of an outsider to the band. It would be sort of, I mean, an equivalent be, and it kind of works with David Lee Roth being a, uh, inspiration for that character, sort of Roth and Hagar for Van Halen or anytime, you know, uh, a lead singer is, uh, typically it's the the vocalist when this happens, but changes out in a band, um, it can cause some resentment. I get that, you know, and, and musicians, artists are such different creatures anyway. And when you're part of a band like that, when you're in a group like that and you spend so much time together, touring and all these kind of things that you see a similar thing with like pro athletes, you spend more time with that group than you do your family. And, Mm-hmm. problems can arise from that and then they they can grow in that resentment and you get you know it might be something like ray is kind of played as he's very uh self-conscious and when we find him here you know he's a he's he's not turning 50 yet like he's not old but he knows he's getting old and i've almost done that <laughs> i know i'm getting close myself But the cake scene oh that was that was great but like i just love that those interactions were so great because they were all, they all felt so real there weren't any sort of manufactured and like over the top things like Les just not liking him because he's not keith and he, he resented him for that for all those years and ray kind of having because he was the outsider and he didn't want to you know brian and keith were put on this pedestal and he's like look i'm as good as keith was in his mind he thinks that yeah and brian at the, at the time you know falling into the drugs and the excess and all of that and showing up late and all this and here's this guy who's coming in to be part of one of the biggest bands in the world and you know the guitar player is not showing up and people aren't doing stuff and he doesn't know what's going on and mm-hmm. he's getting guff from everybody else you got tony in the back on his keyboard just like can we just play music i just want i'm just here to play music like just hold it together please just hold it yeah. together he's like the glue he really is which is what makes that final scene good we'll get to that but um they, uh, it's it just, it works so well. And then, and then on top of that, you add in another layer to the movie, which is the humor. And it never goes full on like spinal tap type absurdity, but it yeah. definitely it's... points in that direction of like the silliness of pop culture and rock bands and the dumb stuff that they do and happens for them. Uh, and I liked that because it's funny at times. Um,
0: well, the the writer in uh, in Lafrenesse was a is a sitcom writer. And he's written sitcoms for like 30 odd, almost 30 years at that point, 40 years, maybe. Okay, so he'd done a lot of sitcoms. And so he knew, he knew his comedy. And again, you got a, you got one of the veterans, one of the classic stand up comedians mm-hmm. with Billy Connolly there to help. You know, if need be, to moderate, moderate. You know, oh, yeah. a little bit of improv, or say what works, what doesn't work, as as a kind of a check. And yeah, so I mean, the the, the riffing on the band names of the body
1: parts—that was, I mean, exactly where I was, was going to just... go. That's so. That was such a great thing and a great running gag because once they started doing that, then Timothy Spall's character just won't let it go, <laughs> even though oh, yeah. he can't like. He's not grasping the concept of it. He's he's so close, but he's just off. Like he he's named, like what was it, Jimmy Captain and, Hook, Captain Hook, Jimmy and the pacemakers. Like he's he keeps he's trying um, when he call, Jerry yes or Jerry sorry uh, when he calls. <laughs> I'm from Liverpool. Yeah, I need to know my. I'm not allowed to get that
0: that one to go past.
1: I, I get a pass. I'm on the wrong side of the ocean for it. So, um, but when he calls Huey in the middle of the night. Is was my favorite one. Where <laughs> the first time, because here's Huey in bed with some groupie, and the phone rings, and he answers it, and all you get from the other end is just Bino yelling out a couple more names, and then hanging up on him. And I I love that because <laughs> that absolutely would happen. Some like yeah. that joke would start, and somebody would be the dingus to call the other guy in the middle of the night to to keep to keep it going. And I love that and uh oh yeah i've I've been that guy (laughs) oh yeah oh oh i mean honestly i think everybody's had at least one instance of that where you you get that that running gag going there was the band names the other running gag that uh that got me was the the woman in black um Mm -hmm. and francis barber yeah and just (laughs) because he's so bino at this point is so absolutely paranoid about whoever's coming to get you know money from him that he just sees her and yeah. just runs every time at the press conference was the best one. Cause he just gets up in the press conference, gets out of that tent and nobody goes to look for him. He's just gone. And we cut back to him later as he's, you know, running through he's the, the drummer. Carpet. Yeah. He's just the drummer. Uh, there's a, there's a dozen of them here. We can find <laughs> another drummer. About the drummer. Um, but that was, we
0: got machines to replace drummers uh,
1: anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, but I just I liked that it had that right balance of humor and drama in this movie to to make you laugh and still make you care about all these characters. And that's a testament to the writing and the actors.
0: Most of the characters, I'd say, I mean, um, the, the the young boy, the replacement guitarist, Luke, he's kind of forgettable, really.
1: He is. and And it's there's not much character there. So, you know, it's not, um, it's not so much Hans, uh, Hans Matheson's fault. The actor that played him.
0: I mean, he, he did, he did fine. Good actor. Uh
1: He did fine for what he was given. He did not
0: give him much to play with.
1: No, he's basically there to um, have a moment where they can, they can come up with an excuse to have Brian, not there, but have a separate guitar player. And then like, they didn't, totally flesh out. They started, the, they started going down the road of like Karen's daughter is with them and him and yeah. him. And, but they never like fully committed to that. Uh, but he does get that yeah. one great moment after the press conference, when Brian showed up at the end and they're at the press conference for their final gig and all of the press mm-hmm. people start asking him, you know, all these really tough questions and you can see Brian just like, Oh boy, I've made a mistake. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Cringing, yep. cringing and like, turtling yeah. up and they all leave. And Luke is the last one there and he waits. And then he just berates those guys. It's like, because when he start, it, that, that was the best piece of writing for that character in that when he started, mm-hmm. he was just a gun for hire guitar player, but he spent yeah. enough time with them now to get why it's important that they, are still you know, that they put out music and the whole thing of like they deserve better. And I thought that was great because it did show at least a little bit of um he had a he had a small arc, but a little bit of an arc there. Of like he came around. At the start of it he didn't really get it.
0: And and he's also there I guess as also as kind of an exposition point as well. So Mm -hmm. because he's the new guy just in brand new. Yep. Anything that needs to be explained to the audience he can ask about and they can. They got then an excuse to explain anything they need done. So I don't know if in a cutout part if he's any anything that was cut out was like, well, why are we doing this? Well, because so and so.
1: You know, that's a good point. That's a good writing kind of. Um, I don't want to say trick because it makes it sound cheat. cheap, but it a, a cheat. it is a cheat. Um, to insert a new character and give a reason for characters to describe what they're doing because that's one thing that will drive you crazy in a movie or a television series is when the characters have to explain what they're doing to somebody who should already know because they have to explain it to the audience. Oh yeah. So bringing in an outside person, that's your, that's your cheat for that. So that was, that was great, but you're right. Largely the character of Luke could have been anybody. um, And it wouldn't really change things. Like if you, if you have some, I can't imagine anybody other than Bill Nye playing Ray, the way that he is in this movie, you know, uh, no, Jimmy Nail um, as less, like I can't imagine anyone else doing that. And then, and then I find out afterwards that Jimmy Nail and Bill Nighy did their own vocals for the music. They sang the yeah. songs.
0: They all. Jim, Jimmy Nail was also in Evita as one of the singers in, in Evita.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
0: As well, he was the. If you look at the credits, um, he's the one who introduces her, brings her along at the start. Okay. Um, what was it? Uh, Alfonso? Uh, no, Augustin, Augusto Magdalene or something like that. Oh, yeah. He was a, the the kind of singer that brings along. And if you look at the credits, um, let's see, uh, I actually pulled her up. I, unfortunately, I can't show you, but on the credits, if you look at the, the credits picture, you know, at the end of the trailers mm-hmm. for Evita, it says a film by Alan Parker, Madonna, Antonio Banderas, Jonathan Price, Evita. Then on the bottom, it says Jimmy Nail, lyrics by Tim Rice. Oh. So he's actually right there in the in the credits right and he's one of the five the uh the four credited actors
1: very nice
0: the three you know of and and him. yeah he was so, i mean he's the one you, you don't realize but he also had a, a singing career in britain as well okay i um, i had a feeling sort of like crocodile shoes and stuff
1: yeah he's the one yeah, he, member he, um, of the main cast and he had a
0: series based on it. yeah i
1: was the least familiar with was jimmy nail um yeah. Uh but it's the accent. He unlike others, he he can't do accents. <laughs> he has
0: a very thick Geordie accent.
1: Yeah, he definitely does. Um, um but it you know, it it works for him. Uh and it and uh it worked for this band, I think, too, in this movie. Um because it didn't bother me at all. But uh he was this, this just Could just, you understand him okay? Oh yeah, I could understand him fine. Um I, I, mean, I
0: to, to many people the, the Geordie accent is kind of like the Martin Deep South sort of thing, you know, your you Larry the Cable Guy sort of mm-hmm. accent. I mean when I first moved to the States we had Blue Collar Comedy Tour twenty years ago <laughs> yeah. that came out and stuff. I had to have the subtitles on to watch it because I could not understand Larry the Cable Guy at all. And I, I know a lot of people around here are the same with like a with like Jimmy Nail and his accent, which may be a reason why it didn't do so well marketing here, as we're going back to the, the regional accent. It could be not- that in the West Country either
1: and i wonder too if it's it was the timing of this cuz this was 1998 so i think was when was the full monty was that 97
0: i think uh i think it was 97 um uh, because that would have been it was right around there as well
1: it was one of like the full monty was kind of one of the earlier um 97 okay so it wasn't like the earliest of the kind of British English, uh, you know, films to, to hit big over here, but that one was marketed. Well, there was one quite here a bit, before. But you also had um, Four Weddings. Yep, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, I even remember, um, shoot, what was it? Like I remember Train Spotting getting um, advertising over here, mm-hmm. but it was still kind of they were viewed as a novelty more than anything. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. unless it was something that got a lot of sort of award buzz, it didn't really get pushed here until kind of after the turn of the century. So, I think that probably played into it. And to your point, uh, things like the, you know, thick Geordie accent is going to, for our main character, a character that has a lot of lines in this, um, probably played into some of that. Uh, but I definitely, I just love. Well, there's
0: three of them with thick thacker. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I love three distinct accents, Billy.
0: Yeah, t- yeah.
1: Oh, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I mean, t-
0: to the to, to us Brits, I mean, that's just normal. That's just mm-hmm. every day. So, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, people don't realize just how many accents there are in Britain. Uh, I mean, oh no, I, I grew up in Liverpool. Okay, I mean, Liverpool to Manchester's thirty miles. There's a Liverpool accent which is talking like this a lot of the time, and then you've got the Mancunian accent. And in between, there's a Lancastrian and a St. Helens accent. <laughs> so there's four accents in a 30-mile span. Yeah. And they're all very, very different. And then you go across to Leeds. That's another – that's Yorkshire accents, and they're a whole different kind again. And you go down to Birmingham, that's 100 miles. You've got two more accents on the way to Birmingham, and then
1: – yeah. Yeah, you, you, and and it's it's so compacted to have that many – like, we, there's a lot of regional accents in, in the U.S. as well, um, but – what you get is it takes a lot longer to get to the regional differences because everything's so spread out um and
0: well if columbus making and atlanta the what uh, 80 miles apart each mm-hmm. right in britain you'd have four accents in between each of the legs here you'd never be able to tell the difference really
1: certainly not to to somebody who doesn't live there you're right uh, there'd be like the differences would be very minuscule and it wouldn't be as noticeable a difference as that same amount of space in the UK. So, yeah. And, and it makes a, it, it does make a difference. because um, I know I have family, I have friends that have trouble with some of those. I don't, I very rarely have to put the subtitles yeah. on. Um, I can remember, uh, for instance, when I saw, uh, like Guy Ritchie was one that started getting movies played here. So snatch, in 2001, played in the theater. I went and saw that. Yeah. And I only needed a subtitle after the fact for um, Brad Pitt uh, and his... Um,
0: <laughs> it, his supposedly Irish. Yes.
1: Whatever that accent was he, he was Pikey doing. Yeah. Um, and if only that's,
0: that's supposed to be a... A rural Irish accent. Yeah, and
1: it was only for a small part the of, of his uh, of his stuff that I really needed the subtitles for. And then I found the subtitles on the DVD, and they were just question marks. And I was like, "Well, that's not helpful." <laughs> 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 like, come on! <laughs> oh, like they're just they're just trolling me at that point. But um, but no, I just I mean they did that joke in Austin Powers, didn't
0: they? With with um, they did, yeah. With him and uh, Oh, with uh, the tone. Oh, we're going to talk in British like prophets so the girlies don't know. Yes, you know?
1: yep, exactly. Like in
0: a lorry with the... <laughs> yeah. Can't think of his name. Um, um, with Basil? Not with not with Mike. Yeah, not with Mike. Uh, Mike Myers, but um, the one who played his dad. Oh, oh Michael Caine. Uh, Italian job, Michael Caine. Yes, that's it. Yep, That's yes, right. Wrong Michael. Yes, Michael Caine. Michael Myers. Yes.
1: Yeah, I forgot about Michael, that.
0: Michael Myers is, is from Liverpool as well. His family's from Liverpool. Oh, really? Um. Actually, my dad went to, went to uh, was his uncle was my dad's uh, boss when he was an apprentice. Very cool. I used to go drinking with him uh, about twenty years ago. It's just weird things like that.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. So, um, yeah, this movie is a lot of fun. Now, I we've talked about how good the music is in this, but I I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. This is good '70s rock music they're they're doing here and uh the songs are exactly what they needed to be like the song they chose to use for the the show that finally got everything to sort of coalesce and bring together the band um was uh well, the flame still burns well that one was the final song but the the one before that for the show right before when they they don't have Brian Oh uh, what yet. might have been um all around the world i think was it called or
0: uh, that was on the um, on the boat where they they start uh, or one of the Dutch shows they, that's when they finally came together there it was was um, all over the
1: world yeah and that was um, like that's a great sort of rallying cry song and sort of sort of, it fits that moment of like they're getting all the guys in the band are, are coming together and you get the audience and then the audiences is, as uh, is us watching it sort of coming together for that uh, and it's such a good song for that moment and then The flame still burns at the end was just I mean so poignant, yeah, so good. And that moment where they've they've gotten Brian back, and they have that huge emotional moment of having Brian back, followed by the gut punch of losing him again because he can't he just can't do it. And yeah, and so they go on stage anyway, and they start to try to do the song, and immediately like Ray's lost it again. He whatever he found in the gig before that, he's he's lost that and Les is he's
0: he's reminded of of his insecurities. You know, mm -hmm. Brian's back, so you know the thing, Keith again, and the whole you know,
1: yep. And
0: Les is back, yeah, it's
1: and yeah, Les has got the like he's he's feeling all that, and so it starts to break down. And there, as you you said earlier, Tony's the glue. He starts playing, the flame still burns and they look over and it's that great and again it tropey sure cheesy yes but i loved it is that great moment of les looks over at ray who's huddled down and he's just like come on let's go you know let's do this song you need to get up here and do it and which is that that's a, a wonderful moment between those two because it had that had been the sticking point and then the flip side of that is Ray announcing the song and telling Les to do the vocals and for them to go into the song and yeah. then doing the vocals together. And it was just, Oh, it was so good. It was such a, and and I was getting emotional. <laughs> like I really was, I was really feeling for these characters and like the movie, the movie made me care about these guys so much and I wanted them to succeed and it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just... they they maybe push their luck just a little bit when they have Karen standing there and look up to see the clouds and her say like no you don't and then the clouds part to a clear sky. I was like, I'm gonna let that go, but that's maybe a step over I, the line.
0: I, I see that as, I see that as kind of like the Billy Connolly's closing his narrative as of the story. I mean, he's been narrating the story mm-hmm. He opens it. Oh yeah. And he's telling the whole story of it. And so he's just, you know, giving a little kind of flourish at the end of his storytelling of, cause you know, this isn't That's a good way to you know, put it. Filming of the thing. This is the filming of him telling his story. So he's saying, and at the end, Karen, you know, Karen waves her fist at it and you know, everything settles into and everything settles into place. <laughs> You know, and and goes on and they have a great time
1: when you when you frame it that way. OK, I'm 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 in. I'm back in 100 percent. Go for it, because that's that you're right. It is. It is Billy. It is Huey telling us this story of of what happened yeah. with, with Strange Fruit. So that's great. Um,
0: it, it's, a, it's a lot like American Beauty. Where, oh um, yeah mm. they, they, he told the story yeah you know, the same way i mean he's dead by the end of the film spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it yet but you know mm. he's still telling the story throughout even after he's dead
1: it's a good point um this is the
0: story of, by, yeah so it, it's so he's he's down there in the pub telling the story to other people and this is the, the visualized image in people's heads
1: i like it okay you've got me you you hooked me back in I was, I was at about 98%. I'm back to 100. Because the movie, just it's just good throughout. <laughs> Even the tropey things of like, you know at some point there's going to be yet another fight that does something to the band to break them up. And you have that moment. And it's the moment of, you know here's Les and Bino playing ping pong. And they're like, oh, the, the interview is going to be on. And they don't go to watch it. And the rest of the band does. And the interview ends up being the two of them drunk just talking about how terrible the the group is now and how it was better before which sets ray off because Mm -hmm. it's the thing he's been so worried about and so he's upset with that he you know starts the fight with them walks out and here's tony like this was our second chance why can't you let go of the past and let's you know embrace that and it was earned and that's the thing that makes it work is there was nothing i felt throughout the movie that was unearned they they all their story points whether it was comedy or drama they they definitely set up and executed well
0: yeah they they felt realistic mm-hmm. yeah
1: it so felt like it's... it felt like a real band and the the things that happen to a real band you know whether they're the funny things like them getting ready in that tiny little room and they're like you know, these are all guys in their late forties, early fifties, complaining about their aches and pains as they're getting ready. He's, <laughs> Les is just chucking, chuck, um, Be- just just knocking back Pepto Bismol, talking about having a bleeding ulcer. It's like ulcer, <laughs> yeah. He's raised like, and then he's like, you know uh, "Was it torn ACL?" Ben Gay or something, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. It was. He was like putting on Everything like a compression then- <laughs> sleeve on his knee. I loved all of that.
0: Uh, no, I think he sprained something. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then he says, and
1: then Beano farts and says. <laughs>
0: dutch curry
1: (laughs) (laughs) which again is such a dumb joke and it works so well because they took it exactly as far as it needed to go every person that came in is just like oh god what died in here like everyone and it's (laughs) so good oh it'll i mean this movie will have you laughing but it also like it does that good balance of laughter and emotion because again Mm -hmm. these are with the exception of Luke, and it's just because the character wasn't written to be anything, you care about all of them. You care about what ha- whether or not Karen, you know, how she feels. Her One of her first lines is talking about wanting to do this to get the band back together because she wants to stand in the dark and have an audience feel what she does when she hears the music. And it meant so much it's to her. like a
0: religious experience yeah.
1: to her. And I definitely, I mean, music will do that music will absolutely do that for you. And if you're that close to it um, and if she's got the opportunity to like uh, to, to bring that to more people that she wants to do it. And so she quits her job to do this. And I love that. Um, And it's like this idea of like trying to recapture something that you had. um, And then, you know, I like too, that the ending of it is them playing the concert and that's it. We don't really go any further. Like, Billy, uh, Huey gives us a little sort of, well, maybe something happened or, or didn't. We don't, you know, they'll find another way to mess all this up, um, which I thought was a, a great callback. But also, like, we don't know. And that's great because they could have kept going on and doing more and coming up with more music to do, too.
0: Your imagination is the best thing as, as to what they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm so it's
1: absolutely
0: and I think one of the reasons as well that it's I think this it feels so realistic is to have so many people involved with writing the music and therefore I guess creative input on the film that would around so many bands I mean you've got uh said like the flame still burns not burns and all over the world was written by Mike Jones as you said from foreigner but also Naughty Fredrickson who was who wrote a lot of songs for Aerosmith and they mentioned you know Huey Roading for Aerosmith and the weak and that yep the Nat, Natty Fredrickson wrote like 10 songs on um, the uh, on one of the, the more recent albums. That just after that, he wrote Nine Lives. He okay. wrote Girls of Summer. So, I mean, he wrote that as well as being the Jason Lee's vocal um, and stuff. There's um, Chris Difford, who also wrote it, was, on Squ- was part of Squeeze. He also wrote for Elton John and Elvis Costello and Wet, Wet, Wet so when you've got all this massive massive talent yeah uh guy pratt who does the bass for the songs who wrote black moon he was um he was the bass player for madonna in the like a prayer video oh for instance that's how you know okay yeah he's you know big session player he's also the he uh he played with uh pink floyd i mean i got my pink floyd um t-shirt on now and dr i mean but he also did um you know uh Music for Sims Four and stuff. You know, they got such a range of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the sitcom thing is a he wrote Alfida's Pet, so he knew two of the actors beforehand. They also did Lovejoy, which brought Ian McShane to at least to British knowledge, and made him a, a household face in Britain.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh
0: it was Lovejoy and said the commitments. You got Jeff Lynn from ELO.
1: Yeah.
0: One of the the best, go you know, kind of glam uh well, I wouldn't say glam so much, but space rock. I mm-hmm. mean Yo-yo. The second biggest space rock band of the seventies, and that which is the sort of thing nobody can touch, Hawkwind. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but uh, all right, all right. You, uh, and uh, Owen Sice who was with Echo and the Bunny Men as well, and
1: and having, know, they all wrote on these songs. Yeah, and having all that talent in the songs, and then on top of that, and this is important and sometimes can get overlooked, is you have to have actors that can. Look like they can play music or play music themselves already. Yeah. You know, they don't have to be playing the song. If they can, that's great. But nobody at any point in this yeah. movie did I feel like didn't know the instrument that they were on. And that I think is important. Yeah, um, um, and, it, and it goes a long way for the authenticity. The
0: guy who plays Luke, I can't think of his name. The guy who plays Luke, I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, said it Hans Matheson he's a guitar player mm-hmm. right um uh, uh Jimmy and, and Bill are definitely both singers yep. and Jimmy is a guitar player as well so I mean he can play the bass he doesn't actually in these but he knows you know he can play the guitar he's a guitar player yep. Spall not so much but with a drummer you just got to look like you're hitting the right things as all of the time the sticks are too fast for the cameras
1: yep and and uh, it worked
0: and uh Reed doesn't you know the keyboard you don't see it too much you just got to look like you're nobody can see exactly which fingers are down and stuff but you just gotta look right yeah and the bits you can see you know that like the opening to the flame still burns you, you can play that yeah. easily
1: you you, you learn how to play that one little lick and that's all you need and and it works and that so that couple like you've got great songwriting the production of the songs having two actors that can sing so you know, you know, like the voice matches a little bit better when you're doing the the production of it all. And and having these actors that do know music and and a director, I think also, that knows and appreciates music and has done music videos and has done... And rock videos, yeah. Yeah, has done all this it's, stuff.
0: And this kind of genre, yeah. It all
1: Definitely. comes together to make for a really good, authentic-feeling movie. And I'll tell you, this is a, um, like, having never heard of it before... Uh, this is one that I'm going to like uh, kind of spread the love for. And it, it should be as well known as something like a, this is spinal tap, like an almost famous because it's in, it's in that, that echelon of, of I films. It like them. I, it, if I had to choose a favorite, I think I, as a, just a movie, I like this is spinal tap a little bit better, but I have more of a history with that one. Um, I would take this mm-hmm. over almost famous um and i would take this as one of the better kind of uh you know fake band biopics um because it's just so well put together and it's so well done and and it has that humor to it as well like it has has that extra layer of being yeah. genuinely funny at parts and kind of silly uh, but in a way that still feels real you know bino running away and then he just happens to run into him in the car and they're like how do you feel about getting the band back together and he's just like you couldn't have asked at a better time let's go you know it's it's a movie moment but it's a well-placed movie moment and it it really it really got me um and so i I just loved all that i did um i actually captured that as a clip i had a couple of clips because i couldn't help myself there were just a couple moments that were too funny not to get (laughs) um and that was one of them was this
0: how do you feel about getting the fruits together again vino a moment too soon my old son
1: Plus, I absolutely love uh, whenever you get that. My old son, that that is such a fun. Uh, right. My old son, you know, me, yeah, my old, old son. I love that. Yeah. Um So that one, that one got me. Uh, two Billy Connolly ones because, well, three because Billy Connolly again. Uh, when <laughs> he's in something, I'm sold. I'm in and I'm ready to go. And you know, I played that opening narration, which was great. Uh, and then you got. Divine intervention pulled the plug on the fruits. Divine intervention. Meanwhile, the background of that is the lightning striking the stage and everything going dark and the concert going completely chaotic, uh, which was super fun. Um, And then his line about...
0: I think God just gets sick of all that 70s excess. That's why he invented the sex pistols.
1: Like, I don't know if that was the writer that wrote that or if Billy Connolly did. But I could buy that it was a Billy Connolly joke, like he's like, "Yeah, I'll, let me write this out because that feels like something right out of one of one of his stand-up routines."
0: It does, yeah. Um, it's just, uh, I think, I mean, even even the the cameos in it are well thought out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have Mackenzie Crook making his first uh, movie appearance. Yeah, um, before he he did. Um, uh, pirates of the caribbean he's the the, the drug dealing dutch boy
1: yep yeah i thought i recognised uh, him okay
0: yeah so that's Mackenzie crook yeah uh you've also got uh, zoe ball as the interviewer
1: mhm actually
0: she's she's technically playing herself big history of music she was um she was a big tv presenter in the uk in the 90s she she hosted basically the the bbc's Saturday morning kids show. Oh, for a while. okay. And then she became she became the um, radio one primetime DJ. So she had the the prime spot on radio one, which is the national BBC radio station. They give the charts out.
1: Oh. They do
0: the charts for the music is on on a Sunday night. And uh, her husband at the time, I think she just got married or not was Fatboy Slim Norman Cook. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah and so you know, a lot of music tie-ins there yeah
1: and those are those um, are the had, types of i love and, and i'll let you get to that one in a second but like i like cameos like that because again it lends that authenticity to things because now they're getting interviewed by somebody yeah. who would have been interviewing them at the time yeah uh, what was it what was the other one
0: another one the hitchhiker donna air hmm. the one who with the t-shirt yeah yeah, yeah. she'd um she'd actually been um She's a Geordie like Jimmy Nail. She'd been in um, a show called Biker Grove, which uh, produced two of Britain's biggest TV presenters, Anton Deck. Oh, wow. She was a secondary character to that. Hmm. But um, she was at at that point when they were filming it. She'd just been signed on to head up MTV UK as one of their VJs. Oh, wow. As well.
1: Okay, so there's another Um, face that people are going to recognize when they see her pop up. Okay.
0: And uh, she was she was very nearly the uh, brother-in-law of the of uh, Prince William as well. She was dating uh, uh, Catherine Catherine Middleton's brother. Oh wow! For like five years. That hmm. was
1: um, that was a, that was a so. fun thing they did throughout the movie was the couple of moments of sort of uh, divine intervention or uh, the messages from beyond from Brian and the rock the gods of rock and roll. I, and how they
0: now now tell me that doesn't play in more to the to the Huey narrating the story to somebody after the fact. Yeah, it,
1: you're right. It does because ah, oh, that's so good. Um, and I love I loved the way that they worked it in uh, where they're, you know, they they find out about Brian being gone, and then they hear his song, and the guy's coming over the hill with the boombox, and then they're they're at their low to point. Tequila Mockingbird, yeah. Tequila Mockingbird, I love that. In, in it. Um, in
0: um, ale's breathing I think it is. It's a, a druid circle, yes, yeah, yeah, druid circle.
1: And then the uh, you know, the bus is broken down, and that's kind of that low point And the girl just happens to show up with a strange fruit, you know, t-shirt that her dad that was her dad's. Like, I love that. That's, and you are right. You are absolutely right. Now that now that you think about it through the lens of like Huey's telling the story, it makes even more sense, and it sort of helps to justify some of the cheesy parts of it. Because you would work those mm-hmm. into the story you're telling, especially Huey, like that character would absolutely do that. Um, because he's just there for the fun. Yeah, like he's just he's there to watch everything happen, and uh, and and
0: he's he's one of those who's addicted to the to the fun of the of the of the rock concerts. Yep, yep. He's there to yeah. Just I'm the same way with like conventions and stuff. So sci-fi conventions, I love to. Yep. I have to go out and I have to work them just to be there and to be part of the the, the action. Yeah. sort of thing. He's
1: that career roadie. He never wanted to do anything else other than be a roadie, but he gets to be around it forever. So that's really cool. This is just—it's a really fun movie, and I'm really glad I got to see this because um, I really, you know, I enjoy I enjoy showing somebody a brand new movie that they've never seen before, but I also. And part of the reason Mm -hmm. that I like that is because I want them to get that feeling like I had today watching this movie of experiencing something for the first time and just letting that, you know, that that thing being great. There was a uh, another one that I like to cite a lot is called it's a Japanese movie called Fish Story, and it centers around a fictional (laughs) punk band from the 70s in Japan. Uh, It goes in a lot of different directions from there. It's impossible to explain what it is because one of their songs helps save the world from an asteroid. Um, don't don't <laughs> don't think about it for oh, too boy. much. Uh, now that one only really had a couple of songs. It didn't have as many songs as this did, but same type of thing. they're very mm-hmm. good, and they they got the dynamics of the band down. in this case, it was a young band um kind of getting their start. but I love that, and this is. The opposite end of that spectrum which is it's the older band coming back together and all of the things that come along with that and i just dug it i dug every bit of it and i will absolutely tell people they need to watch it i wish it was streaming somewhere on some service somebody's got to yeah, pick it up at some point i wish it was it has
0: been at times it has been on um, i think either prime or um Or Hulu, I think, at one point in the past. I
1: could see that. And I I feel like this is one that wouldn't be as difficult to get. Because some movies sometimes can be tough to get because of music rights. But because everything was written for this movie, I feel like that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love to yeah, see it.
0: The, the rights will all be included in in the movie. They'll they'll be assigned to them. They they are assigned to the movie, if I remember. Yeah. My day job used to be copyright enforcement for a record label. Oh, in fact, okay. twenty odd years ago, that's how I started out my career was a copyright enforcer for a copy for a music label
1: in London. So you uh, actually late know how that works, or at least how it did work. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a movie that that people need to see and just enjoy because it it's that good. Like if you like and and I again, I don't think comparing it to something like spinal Tap or the Ruttles or something like that works because it's not that type of movie those are those are very absurd and kind of take everything to
0: they they are humorous first and then music mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and they go to like uh next level type uh in the humor um and excess. They go to eleven <laughs> I didn't want to go there but <laughs> you did and that's perfect
0: (laughs) you you, have mentioned you've mentioned spinal tap so many times it's got to be said it's sort of a it's a it's a laura traditional charter or
1: something yeah you're not wrong there um but this is if you like uh again the commitments if you like almost famous if you like those kinds of movies that that center around musicians and sort of just being in a band this is one to watch and it's going to make you laugh a lot uh, so it's mm-hmm. definitely worth seeing. Thank you. Thank you a ton. for. And you'll, for and you'll want
0: songs. the soundtrack in your car. I definitely do.
1: Yeah. I want to play it. I want to actually mess with my dad and I want to play him some of the songs and see if, like, be like, you remember these guys? And play play some of it and see what he does. See if he does that whole, because you know how sometimes <laughs> somebody will mention something that should be from or is from the era that you should know. And so you kind of fake it. You're like, yeah, no, I I, I think I do remember that. I just want to see if he would do that if he'd be like, I had never heard of him mm-hmm. before. Because it, it would be fun. It's a fun little social experiment to try. Of course, he's going to listen to this now probably and be in on my joke, but we'll, we'll see.
0: Hey, we haven't mentioned all the songs.
1: That's true. That is true. Plus, what a great, uh, silly name for a band, Strange Fruit. Like, it. Yeah, well, which fruit are you? <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> I'm Posh Fruit. Um, but uh I posh fruits and he's he's got things he's 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 dough fruit <laughs> and like it's a silly name yeah, for a band but it, it just, worked uh and and look this movie's great definitely check it out it, it's worth it and we didn't I mean we gave away a lot of what happens in it but it doesn't matter you're still gonna enjoy it uh there there's it's not like you a, know what's
0: gonna happen eventually because yeah I mean it, it's you know what's gonna happen because it's it's the classic story mm-hmm exactly it's it's you know yeah it's the path it's not the destination right the journey rather than, yep. the, than the yeah yep
1: it's how we got there and uh the ride the journey was a lot of fun um so thank you so much for recommending this movie and uh for coming on and talking with me about it this has been a lot of fun
0: no worries this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Well,
1: you, so. you picked a great one. I
0: still, I still have another one for you if you want. Oh, I, I mean,
1: you, look, you're, you're welcome back anytime. We'll get <laughs> you back on. Uh, we'll watch uh, We'll watch that one sometime. Um, but uh, let people know kind of what you're what you're doing recently or what you got going on. Uh, where can people kind of find any of that? Well, you can
0: find me all over the net as Kittet, you know. I, um, I'm a researcher, journalist, and... Uh, I, I, I do various things science robotics and stuff uh, so you can find me basically anywhere just stick katech into your search engine
1: and that's k apostrophe tetch Katetch. yes so it's very uh right. very Klingon sounding
0: uh, it was in fact that's how it started back in the mid 90s as a Klingon Cardassian roleplay character
1: excellent i like it i love i love those when you and and keeping it for that long too that's the best part is i need to brush up on my klingon <laughs> <laughs> excellent well thank you so much for being here this week this was a lot of fun definitely gonna have you back i'm curious what the uh the other movie is but keep me in suspense um i'll uh all right I'll, I'll, but i'll get a hold of you and we'll have you back and we'll uh we'll talk about that one too that's uh i'm i'm excited I, I look forward if to it's it. if it's half as good as this one then you, we've got another winner
0: well i like it it's an american film though so that's fine. I've, you don't have to worry so much about the accents. Well, but it's also got an all star cast.
1: Oh, ooh, good. I'm I'm intrigued. Um, if you like this show <laughs> and you like this conversation, um, I do this every week. Uh, Two hundred and twenty weeks almost in a row now. Uh, I've missed one so far in the in the four plus years that I've been doing this show. Uh, I stream it live on Twitch. Twitch.tv/slash/tvtravis. Sunday nights at eight PM Eastern Time in the U S you can find, uh, the show if that doesn't work for you. Um, the show does get put onto YouTube, um, at TVs, Travis there. And it is also most notably an audio podcast and you can download that anywhere you get your podcast. head on over to TVs, Travis.com to find the feed for this show and any other shows that I do. Um, and, uh, keep an eye on the YouTube channel as there's more content than just this podcast going up there soon. Um, and uh, that's all I'll say about that right now, but um, I've got some fun stuff planned uh, for this summer and uh, going forward. So I'm looking forward to that. And tvstravis.com also has links for like things like merchandise. I have a Patreon there for this show. Uh, You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. Um, It helps keep the show going. It helps maybe eventually get me some, uh, the ability to go to some conventions um, outside of my area, which would be a lot of fun. So, and, and if monetary, uh, you know, isn't the way that you can support the show, listening to the show and telling people about it is a great, uh, great thing that you can do. So I appreciate all of that. Uh, next week I have lucky number Slevin is the movie that we're going to be watching with Mike Eveland. He's going to come on and talk to me about that. I haven't seen it before and it's one that I've meant to see a lot. And then it would, I would think about it and then I would forget and it would be out of my brain for a year and a half. And then would be like, oh, I should watch that movie. And I either can't find it or I don't have the time for it. And then I forget about it again. And Mike came to me and he's like, you need to watch this movie. And uh, so that's what I'm doing next week is uh, Lucky Number Eleven. So come on back for that. That's going to be a fun one. I, I really have a feeling I'm, uh, I'm in for something fun there. Uh, so that'll be next week on Wait You Haven't Seen. But uh, once again, Katech, thank you so much for being here. This has been just a blast. Oh, it's been a blast for me too. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And we'll definitely have you back. So until next week, until lucky number 11, Uh remember to enjoy your movies and be excellent to each other. diabolically shite diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program <laughs>